Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Thank you for joining me again this week. This week I had a crazy neck surgery. I had disc replacement surgery in my neck on Monday. And uh, (laughs) it's just a crazy surgery. I, you know, they come in, they cut a hole in the front of your neck. They go in through the front. They go in the back. They, you know, they put you to sleep, obviously. They dig out. They dug out my blown ruptured disc out of my C7 uh, in my neck had it in a petri dish right beside the the you know the operating table when we were finished showed my wife it put in another disc that attaches the metal attaches to my spine on the top and bottom and in the middle is a plastic disc they move they had to move your my you know vocal my my esophagus to the side and that was what really most of the pain and soreness was because they have to stretch it to the side so they can get back there and do all that dig it all out dig it all out from around my uh spinal column and relief uh, my nerves were getting crushed uh on the one side which was giving me all the pain and making my numb my arm numb and everything then they they put you back together, sew you up, glue your neck together like no stitches or anything. And I am not kidding. The next day, that day, I was fine. I have almost no pain at all from anything. My throat was sore, uh, like I had a bad, like a sore throat, not even a bad sore throat. It's been the craziest like may, seemingly major surgery. The doctor told me this was no big deal. He said you know, huge success rate really works well. You're going to, you're not going to be in much pain and to know what they did and to know how right he was, was just amazing. And modern medicine is just on another level. So anyway, I'm in good shape. I thought I'd be out for the week. Um, I, I always was expecting something worse to happen today. My neck's a little bit sore. I'd kind of moved some boxes and I shouldn't have, but man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I had that done and now I'm in good shape. So I had a lot of well wishers. A lot of people sent me notes and messages and, and wishing me well. And I really appreciate that. It means a lot. So thank you for that. This week, I'm going to continue my, uh, my, exploration of the book extreme ownership and i'm going to go over chapter three and four but i'm going to speed this up for everybody so there's not you know different messages are the same book and we do it for you know two months so i'm going to speed it up but i'm doing this because i'm doing this with my sales team and my leadership team i'm reviewing two chapters a week with my team and we're talking about it as a group, as it how it affects us, how we see these lessons. And I, I think it, I hope it's valuable for you to listen to it and see kind of how we're working through it. Um, so before I get into that, just a couple more things. Next week, I'll be in Las Vegas at the National Chimney Sweep Guild show. It's their national convention. And Surefire, the, the, our online training platform will be there and uh, have a booth. We're also one of the premium sponsors. Also, my metal fabrication shop is going to be on. Uh, we have a booth there, too. Top Hat Metalworks. And we're going to have... 
I'm showing a new product that I had patented. I patented a hinging system for large chimney caps and kind of works on the same hinge principle that like a big green egg lid would work on. So it's, it's something heavy, but it's light to lift it. And so you can service chimney, large chimney caps easy. Once you put them on the chimney, you don't have to remove them to do any kind of servicing or get to the top of the flue. So we'll see. I mean, it's a, it was a new idea. I came up with it a couple of years ago, I worked through a design phase and worked through with some engineers and worked through the patent process. So it's a patent pending uh, on any hinging caps. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm launching a new app as well. I, I came up with an app called the Cap App. I talked about it about a year ago, but I couldn't quite get it to market the um the developers, we kind of had a communication breakdown and uh, had to get a different developer to kind of take it across the finish line. It came out a couple months ago. We still, it's very basic, but it's out there. So now we can add to it and f- fix it and work on it. It's called the Cap App, custom Cap de- uh, a- application. So take a look at it. But we're releasing quite a bit. This next week should be a big week for us on that side of it. And uh, if you're at the National Chimney Sweep Guild show, please come by and see us. Love to see you and and hear your thoughts on things. So with that, let's get into extreme ownership. And chapters three and four is kind of what I'm going over. And um, chapter three was uh, believe what I believe was, was the name of the chapter. And it talked about, you know, the requirement of the leadership to believe in the mission of that, that is, you know, you're putting out there and also, um, for your team to believe in what you're telling them to do. And in the book, the problem that was happening was, you know, all these seals, live together. They train together. There's some of the highest trained warriors in the world. They're the best of the best, right? Well, the their command was having them go with all these Iraqi soldiers who had never been trained at all and were quite frankly, some of the worst soldiers or Afghani uh, soldiers, some of the worst ones they'd ever been. So you've got the best guys in the world going with some of the worst in the world. And And it was in one of the most dangerous battle times of that war in the Ramadi area. And they were having to bring in terrible guys with them that could get them killed. And even Jocko and and his leadership team just did not believe in the mission at all. And they fought back to this deal of having to take along these guys who were could get them killed. And they just fought back and fought back and you know, part of how he finally came to understand was that if he never, if they don't train them, if they just go and do everything all the time, then they will never be able to leave. We will never train them up enough to be able to let them stand on their own. Now, we know last year when Biden pulled us out of this, uh, it all collapsed anyway, so it was all for naught. But the premise was good prop them up so they can defend their own home, defend their own land, and give them all the tools and skills necessary. Now, how that, you know, relates to business, and and he did, and he showed these different, he talks about, you know, making sure those guys knew how to do everything best they could and train them up. And this happens a lot in our businesses where 
especially early on where you have to train people up and let them do the work when they could cost you money, when they could, um, they could mess it up. They could mess up your name. They could, you know, they, they, it's a lot better if you do it yourself. And that's the common early on dilemma of entrepreneurs is I'm going to save money by doing it myself. And in extreme ownership, you were going to save lives by doing it yourself. And it makes sense. And it is actually very true too in the short run. Yes, in the short run, you're going to save yourself money. You're going to save yourself time. You're going to get through it and you're going to get done faster and more profitable. Yes, fact. But, and I've talked about this in past episodes, that you're never building an asset. You're never building in what, what I like to call a time asset. If you don't put the money and time into the people to train them and let them make mistakes, you will never be able to leave. You will never be able to leave your business. You will never be able to, you know, pull back from it and let it run. That is exactly how small business works. You have to believe in the mission. You have to believe in why you're going to train these people. And guess what? A bunch of them are going to fail. They're going to quit. They're going to leave you. And you're going to you're going to question why you're doing this. But if you truly believe in the overall mission of, of say you have a timeline for your business, like in five years, I'm going to be out of the field or in 10 years, you have to start building those assets in people and learning to lead them and let them fail and let, and, you know, let them learn the hard way. You know, I've talked about buying this um, powder coating operation and, and the guy just really had a hard time watching, you know, we were like 16-year-old drivers driving his car. And he just, it's ugly. He doesn't like, he didn't like to watch it. We've had several meetings on it. He's He learned and he said, man, I just had to put my ego completely on the backside and watch you guys go. Now, unfortunately, you know, I'd heard he had said some things to other, you know, cu customers and things like that, that, you know, like disparaging things. He has no idea who we are and how we're going to do it. But, you know, he um, it was almost like an ego thing. But um, we're going to be just fine. In fact, we've already upped the production and we're learning, we're learning it. And there's definitely a lot to learn. It's not, it's not, it's not super easy, but it's not as hard as a chimney business either by any stretch of the imagination. So it's fun. It's been neat to do it. I'm, I think I'm going to do a live, I'm going to do a Facebook live tomorrow and walk through the factory and kind of show it and kind of show some of the stuff we're doing. So that might be kind of neat. Probably I say tomorrow, this is released on a Friday. So it'll be later today. If you're listening to it on Fridays, I'm going to kind of walk through some of the stuff we're doing. Maybe it'll be interesting to some people, but. So today, you know, I talked to my team about believing in the mission, about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And and I've made some changes lately about how the paperwork works. And some of these things that we have to put in place, they don't believe in. They don't believe in at first because it was easier when we did it another way. But when you're leading a team, you know, we talk about it a lot, but you have to tell them why they're doing it. And they have to understand the whole process a lot of times to get behind it. Sometimes you just have to say, because I said so, you know, the old, the old parent method of, of leadership, because I said so is why we're doing it. But that doesn't work with really high speed people and full grown men and women. They need to know some of the processes, but leading a lot of people is, is probably the toughest thing that I've ever done. And I'm always learning, but you know, today 
what I do in these is I I tell them we're reviewing the chapters, and then I talk about the premise of the chapter, and then I ask each of our, my leaders what they got from it or what they think about it. And it's neat to see some of my younger, some of my leaders watching it and say, you know, you've been talking about this stuff for a while. And now that we're listening to it again through here, I can see what you were saying. I can understand why you said the things you did at the time. And sometimes when you hear a lesson the first time, your brain isn't really ready to hear it. It you Once you've heard something two, three, four, ten times, finally your brain's like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Now I understand. So, you know, as a leader, just because you've said something once or t- twice or three times, that doesn't even mean they even heard it when you said it. They might have said, yeah, I understand, but they really didn't hear it. And now when I'm reading, when they're reading this book along with me and we're digesting it together, I feel the team really coming together uh, better through this team book review. And if you're not doing them, I highly recommend them. If you got two people, if you got a hundred people. Now, what was funny is my leader said, you know, the whole company needs to listen to this and do this. And I, and I'll do that next. I told them I want to start with my leaders and see how that goes. And then I'm going to do this review with everybody. So everybody understands this extreme ownership part of running a business. Cause you know, I tell them all the time, if you're waiting on me to do everything, you're going to be miserable. You're going to hate this business. You're going to not like where you work. I want to empower you to make this place a good place to work. Keep it being a good place to work. Call stuff when you see it. Ask about stuff. Be good to people. Train them when you see it. Like, you know, you, you're as responsible for the culture in this place as I am. So that was chapter three, which is believe. Uh, chapter four was check the ego and in uh, check the ego, gosh, that can be tough because we're all sort of ego driven. It, it's some different ways. Some people more so than others, but checking the ego is definitely a big part of what we have to be, what we have to be good at. Um, in this chapter, he, he talks about stuff with seals, but when he, when he rolls it back to business, he talks about a situation where I think they were on like a drilling, like an oil drilling rig. And this business was, and you know, the, they had protocols for, you know, when certain situations happened, they were supposed to contact higher ups before making a decision. These guys did not do that. And I guess the oil rig shut down, which costs, I don't remember how much it was. It was a lot like per hour, per day, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And this, you know, one senior guy didn't follow protocol and the whole thing fell down and fell apart. And when Jocko and his team were going in to consult, the main guy brought him in and said, you know, I've got a serious problem with my leadership team. You know, one of my main, most senior guys isn't following the rules and costing us a fortune. And Jocko and his guys were like, well, is he, is he very knowledgeable? Is he good at what he does? And like, yeah, he's the best. He's better than all of us together. And they're like, well, you know, and and he went through the steps to decide, you know, why this guy would make a decision. Is he trying to sabotage the company? No, was the answer. Is he incompetent? No, he's very competent. And so then he puts it back in, you know, in the leadership's hands is like, well, 
sometimes you you know you have to let your teams make a decision and i think there was some extenuating circumstances where he could not get an answer he had to make a judgment call on the spot and it happened to not pan out right but for his you know it, these guys um a lot of it was uh, was ego driven because you know the owner or the leader was so his ego was so in the way it was clouding his judgment about a very good operator that they had that had to make a decision it happened to be didn't fall in their favor and he helped them understand that a lot of you know his his being mad at his team was his ego being in the way so i talked to my guys about it's easy to get your ego in the way and sometimes especially like for me with customers when they're mad or something's happening and i'm i'm like I'm all fired up because I've heard my uh, I've heard my customer service people's side of it. I've heard my technician, and I'm ready to just light into this customer. But I always, every single time, go in and just put my ego to the side. I put all the stories that I've heard from my people to the side, and I call the customer and I said, "Hey, this is well, well one secret. I never talk to them right then. If they call in and they're upset." You're never going to reach me. I'm never going to pick up the phone and go, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, uh, yeah, how can I help you when you called in to talk to me? No way, because now you're fired up and I'm going to be on the other end of it. I may have not had time to get my all my information together, and all I'm doing is just listening to them be mad. So I never answer the phone initially. Take that for what it's worth. I get all my information together before I call them back, and I call them back definitely an hour, two hours, sometimes the next day. Because when you do that, they're not fired up again. They're, they can't be just fired up all the time. Now, I, sometimes I can hear them trying to get fired up, and I start to de-escalate them as I can feel it happening. I'll start to say something. I'll make something funny. I'll admit what they're doing. So, you know, when somebody's agreeing with you the whole time, not not saying I'm sorry the whole time, but just agreeing and saying, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. It's hard to be getting mad. It's only when you start pushing back do they start getting fired up. But I check my ego, I listen to them, and I try to give them every single benefit of the doubt. And at some point when I need to defend what we're doing, if I need to, I'll say, okay, I understand that. Here's the other side of it. And and they may get mad or may not, but I really try to go in not having any ego in it at all unless they force it up out of me or say something personal or very disrespectful. And then you're going to get the fire from me. But in general, I'm really going to be on your side. I'm really going to try to understand your side. I'm going to help you try to understand our technician side unless we totally blew it. And I don't absolutely own it and pay for it and fix it or do whatever. But sometimes... There's more to it. It's not that simple that we just fell down and and it's our fault. But And I've talked about some of those incidents lately. But I think checking your ego at the front, at the beginning of it. And so for my leaders, how this translated for them was a lot of times they they write estimates and then my, my guys in the field have to do the work. Well, I told them, you're the leaders of these guys. You can't just say, hey, I sold the job. It's sold. Here's all the paperwork. Good luck with it. See you later. I'm off to sell more stuff. I said, no, you guys have to stay with them. You guys are part of this whole process to see it all the way through. The customer believed in you, the estimator or the sweep who sold the work. They believed in you. 
They bought you. You're handing it off to somebody else, and you must be part of that transition. They didn't buy this new guy who's walking in to fix the chimney. They bought you. And so you have to be there for the handoff. You have to be there for any problems, and you have to help your technicians all the way through because everybody is successful when you you know, extreme ownership, this job all the way through. You can't extreme ownership the job up to I hand it off to those guys and they couldn't figure it out. Like that's not extreme ownership. Extreme ownership is I I set this job up. I sold this job. Customer believed in me. I made them understand our repair crews are great. And you just can't leave it at the front door and say, man, good luck, guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You know, if something goes wrong, it's how can I own this thing all the way through? So I'm really asking my leadership team to do a better job of owning their sale all the way through because their repair crews are part of them too. It's not like, you, you know, you, you can just get rid of all your, you know, responsibility because you sold the job. Your responsibility is to get the job done, see it all the way through and the customer be happy. That's, that's your job. That's my job as, as the owner. Um, so that's kind of my take on those two chapters. So tonight I want to, I want to end the podcast with an, an, another couple dumb is real situations. I haven't done those in a couple of weeks, but today was one of those days. It was very frustrating on the dumb is real world. I have the front door to my chocolate shop was installed by a company that does glass. It's a specialty door because it had to be changed out for commercial, you know, people to come in. And uh, the other day, wind caught it and sprung the door back and bent these bent these uh, hinges on it so it won't stay shut. Now we're a chocolate shop. It's starting to heat up. You can't have your chocolate get hot and all your air conditioning running out. And I have called this company. Over and over and over. Now, unfortunately, there's not that many companies that fix this type of door. And two, they don't want to fix it unless they installed it. So I'm a little bit stuck with this one company. And, you know, I'll call the, I'll call them and they'll say, yeah, well, great. Um, we'll, we'll tell Josh. He's our commercial install guy. Great. Nothing happens. I call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, I think Josh, we left the note for Josh. He'll call you. Nothing. I get a hold of Josh. Josh like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I'll get out there. When? I'll be out there tomorrow. No, doesn't show up. And today I had just had enough. And I called the guy and I said, man, you guys say the same thing every single time I call. You guys say all the right stuff. You act like you're going to do something and you don't. No one shows up. He, and the guy's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, at this point, I'm sorry does not do it. Like you, I said, what would you do, what would you do if you were me? You've paid you guys money to install a door. People only want to work on the door that they installed. You guys are my guys. I'm stuck with you. If I would have known how your customer service is, I would not have used you in the first place. I will never use you again, but I'm stuck with you. Now, of course, you start crapping on them. And I said, look, I know you're a new guy, but I need you to take this seriously. If you're a new guy, you're probably going to hear a lot of complaints about Josh not calling people back because I've had this problem with Josh for a long time. I said, who's the owner? And they said, the owner's Mark. I'm like, convenient. 
So I'm going to call him tomorrow. Now, I heard from Josh tonight while I was at dinner, and the text is is literally this, and I'll read it to you. Let me see if I can find it. I wasn't really thinking I was going to read it, but let's see. Here it is. I said, this is a text from yesterday. Hey, Josh, this is Mark Stoner with Poppy and Peep. I spoke to you several days ago, but my team hasn't seen you at the shop. Are you going over there? And then this was today after I'd reamed out the guy on the phone. Sorry, buddy. Been in the field installing, playing catch up. And it just left. He just left it at that. Like, sorry, I've been playing catch up. Like, no plan. So then I said, what does that mean? We have called for weeks. My door is broken. Can it be fixed tomorrow? He said, yes, sir. So we'll see. But I mean, uh, to me, this is dumb. This is a dumb problem. And I'm in a bind and I'm getting terrible customer service. On another note, tonight we went, we were trying to go to this immersive experience. It's a Van Gogh immersive art experience where they've taken Van Gogh's art and blown it up into huge, a huge light show and a huge walls of art. And it's supposed to be really amazing. Well, it's because of COVID, it's been delayed for two years. It's been delayed and then it got ready to happen and got delayed. It got ready to happen, delayed. Now this is the fourth time. I get an email today said, Hey, Thanks for waiting. It's going off today. Come. But you know what? It's on us. Don't worry about using your tickets. Uh, use If you want to come again or give them to somebody else, the exhibition is going to be through June. Uh, it's on us. So I actually now have two extra tickets. I invite two extra people. We drive all the way downtown Nashville. We drive up and it's closed. Brand new. They just opened today. I walk up and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, we don't know. Nobody will tell us what's going on. This is the people that work there. They said, we don't know. We opened earlier today. And then next thing you know, we shut it down and they won't tell us why. And they won't. And they say, you can't sell any tickets until Sunday. And today is Thursday. And uh, I mean, everybody in line has been waiting years for this. They don't tell us it's shut down. We got no emails today. Every We got emails saying, hey, bring more people. <laughs> and so everybody's bringing extra people, and nobody knows this thing is shut down and not working. So very frustrating. We made the most of it, went and ate some sushi and, and talked to some friends and had fun. But I've had a, it's been a day. Uh, that being said, first world problems, I, uh, you know, how mad can you get because you can't see an art display when, you know, part of the world is burning and fighting for their lives. So I am not complaining, but I just wish people would be more considerate of others more and try to put yourself in people's shoes. Extreme ownership, your thing, you know, I I, I question these people that are running this art uh, installation. I don't think they're really driven to get it done. I think they're driven to come up with excuses why it can't be done. They keep canceling it. They keep moving it. Today, you know, they just canceled it. I, I don't think there's any, I think there's some big benefactor behind it. I don't think they're worried about making money at all. They're definitely not worried about communication. Even their own team doesn't know what's going on. 
If you run a business, don't be that business. Be hyper on communication. Be really good at communication. And again, I'm telling this because I need to do it myself too. I've got times when we really do not do a great job. And, you know, I've, I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm prosecuting small crimes. So I'm, you know, tomorrow I've got a situation we're going to roll out where um, some of my guys are getting back early, plenty of sunlight left. And leaving, you know, early, you know, the, you know, they get back at one because the job either went really quick or something fell through and then they just go home. And so, and I've heard this happening, but I wasn't the project manager since we don't have project manager now. I'm it. And so I've asked my, my GPS, the people who run my GPS to give me a notice when my trucks get in, um, uh, if they get in before two o'clock, I'm going to get a notice so that I can keep our trucks running and keep our guys moving instead of just because we're booked out till May in some cases, yet we're going home early. So I'm, I'm prosecuting small crimes. Again, a lot of times this, this, uh, podcast is a diary of my business life as I'm living in. It'd be interesting to listen back to it in a few years, but this is, this is today's fight. <laughs> so hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you again for all your, the well wishers and the people who wish me, um, good health with my, with my neck. It's, it's worked great. I'm in really good shape. Look forward to seeing people next week in Vegas and thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.